Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another movie episode of Game My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, who's just starting their first year recording with me. Oh, gee, it's uh, it's young cop reporter Kenneth Sanity here. Just just starting first day out here to help. <laughs> and I am everyone's favorite king of useless knowledge, Joe Butler. <laughs> and as always, with as you, you might have noticed by now, if I have these two on, what are what we're talking about? <laughs> we are here to talk about Batman Year One, written by Tab Murphy, directed by Sam Liu. It was a movie that came out direct to DVD at the time by Warner Brothers in 2011. Back when they were doing that for that. Well, they're still doing it, but it was like early on in that when they were starting to make a bunch of animated movies before they were connected. Because this yep. is one of the and earlier ones. The tw- the twelfth film released under the DC Universe animated original movies banner. Okay. Which was honestly kind of surprising. But uh, this was actually the first um the first like DC animated movie that I purchased digitally. I remember buying this on a Microsoft sale. And oh. watching it for the first time on my Xbox 360. <laughs> nice. I remember watching this back in, I want to say 2015. It was right before I met my wife, which I think was 2015. I don't even remember now. But it was right around that time that I, I was watching it because my life was shit. And I was just downloading movies and watching them quickly and then deleting them. And this is one of the ones I watched. I, and I hadn't seen it since then. I want to say this came on like at maybe like a Sunday or a weekday night on Toonami for me or oh. Adult Swim. It, I'm pretty sure it was Toonami, but it, it was uh, something that I know I watched on TV. Okay. I mean, I remember watching it once. I remember liking it, and then I didn't remember much about it. But since we have played Arkham Origins and we have done more year one Batman stuff or early Batman, it makes me way more interested this time, this watch than I was before. Just going to say like this time watching it was a complete new eye opener for me. Like before when I watched it, it was fine. I enjoyed it and I watched it twice today. I watched it before (laughs) work and then I watched it after work. And I don't know, something about watching it after work finally made something click for me. And the one issue that I had with this is now such a work of absolute genius that I can't wait to talk about it. Okay, and I do want to put a quick warning. There's a very good chance we're going to get political because this is a political movie at times. It talks about corrupt police and things. So I'm just going to put that out there. We might get political or we will get political. So you have been warned. I mean, it will fit the context of what we're talking about. Mostly in, in our own belief, but it's because of the, the content. You, you can't. We can't not. <laughs> and because I want to. So. <laughs> so, I mean, one thing that really grabbed me with Batman Year One, I didn't remember a lot about it. I just remembered that it that it made Gordon look good. Like a like a, you know, because it, it this movie is very much early Batman and early Gordon. Like this movie is constantly jumping back and forth between Bruce Wayne and Gordon as they both come into Gotham for the first time. Like you have early scenes in this movie where Gordon is getting on a train, going to Gotham. He's like, man, I made a mistake. I was, you know, in Chicago. I had a, I was doing this job, and now I'm here in this shitty city. And you also have at the same time, it shows Bruce Wayne coming to Gotham for the first time in, in 12 years because he's been gone. And the really cool thing about the way they do this is that you have, you know, both methods of entry to the city um, Almost depicted on a socioeconomic scale, you got Bruce Wayne flying high overhead of Gotham, looking down and, you know, 
seeing the overall view of it like oh you know beautiful city monuments skyscrapers but it all hides the real enemy and then you have jim gordon down on the streets literally people are picking fights on the train car he's on <laughs> yes so like you have both of these people from very different walks of life just descending on the city at at the same time and seeing that you know while one might have a higher vantage point he still sees the problems this movie raises the main question that i have with every what not probably every but every like introduction to batman why does anyone want to live in gotham like (laughs) at any given point i don't understand why anyone wants to live in gotham the pope like even before the supervillain stuff the police are corrupt it you know the whole city is just covered in smoke and probably smells like ass they're like half the buildings are like just vacant and like dilapidated like who really wants to live here unless you're a rich person that's the thing see i don't think anybody wants to live there i just don't think they can afford to do anything about it yeah i i always felt as very much of people can't leave even if they wanted to like they just don't have the ability to pick up and go that that that's fair because really in in most batman movies there's never there's never a middle there's never like an average dude who's like oh yeah i love going to school and like taking my wife out to eat while people beat the shit out of each other it's always like really homeless people who are like down their luck or you have like the rich people who doesn't know their dad likes to smuggle cocaine for like falcone <laughs> yeah like even the six-year-olds have you know a voice like a pack-a-day smoker at this point <laughs> i mean God, like to just walk around being like uh, let me tell you, Rhesus. Rhesus was a bitch today, ma. <laughs> such a bad city, though. But it, it, it works. It really is. <laughs> I mean, and that's what, because I also have been watching Gotham at the same time that we watched this movie. And that's all, that also the reason why I asked you guys to do this, because I've been watching Gotham. Like, I need to rewatch Batman Year One because it's such a interesting take to see early Batman. I know this is based on a comic. I did not realize until this watching that it's pretty much panel, like almost panel for panel at times from the comic. Like they, they did a very good job of reenacting what it is. And we probably should say before we get too much more further, this was based on the Batman Year One comic book series, which was written by infamous comic dickhead Frank Miller. <laughs> I forget. He, he's an asshole, isn't he, kind of, or something? Oh, he's a big asshole. Okay. Very uh, misogynist, has some very unfortunate views about a lot of things in life. Okay. <laughs> There's also, what is it? There's also, he, I've noticed he has a very weird story beat. One of them in here is probably one of the only issues I have in this entire movie, which we'll get to when we get there. But I have a weird question because both of you are probably more familiar with Batman more than I am. Why is Jim's wife's name Barbara? His wife's always named Barbara. Has it? Yep. Yeah. So, so he named his daughter after his wife. Yeah. Why not? He named his son after him. <laughs> okay, so he is also, that's, that's Jim Gordon Jr. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I also like it that she's married, or not, they're married, but that she's pregnant in this, and like the whole idea, like there, I mean, there's a comment way later in this movie where they make, they make it, they say, once you're a parent, you're never free, which, like, they do a good job of showing, like, why he's here, what he's trying to do, how he's like, I have, a, you know, I have a family, I need to you know, work for and do this. And I feel like it plays very well with what's happening. 
I was also surprised to find out, because I didn't know this until literally right before we did this recording, the voice of Bruce Wayne is Ben McKenzie, the same guy that plays Gordon in the Gotham show. Yep, last time we were here, we were talking about a Red Hood that also played Batman. Now we're talking about a Batman that also played Jim Gordon. (laughs) It threw me off a little. I mean, I was like, why does his voice sound familiar? I'm like, this isn't Kevin. Like, this isn't Kevin Conroy. I'm like, but I know this voice. And it it wasn't until I looked up, I'm like, oh, that's why I know this voice. Say, this is the perfect place to talk about my main issue with this movie the first few times I watched this. Okay. The character of Bruce Wayne is robotic as all shit. Like, his voice acting in the beginning, it sounds like somebody's just bored and reading lines. And then tonight when I was watching it, that's when it clicked for me finally. He sounds lifeless because he is. He's a robot. It's not until he actually puts on the cowl that he gets some emotion in his voice, some gravitas. He becomes Batman. He comes to life once he puts on the cowl. Yeah, that's and a good it's way to just put it such because... a such a small, subtle thing that I never <laughs> even caught until tonight. <laughs> I mean, because it makes sense. Because he, I mean, you have a scene where he's where he's literally just sitting in a chair talking to a a bust of his father and he's like what do i do because he's it really shows you how consumed he has been with the death with their death and i mean this yes this repeats the famous scene we've seen you know a hundred times at this point where they both get killed but i feel like it fits very well into this movie because it is early batman and you you need those scenes to tie together and to give you like to show you how you know depressed he is with life and the only reason he comes back is to kick ass in his city. That's the only reason he's here. I always saw Bat because I, I, I agree with you, Kenny. I kind of thought it was boring. But then, like, Bat, uh, Bruce Wayne's voice always kind of, like, when I was watching the movie, especially when he's, like, putting on the makeup and everything, it kind of gave me, like, a like a noir kind of feel where, like, is this feels like this movie could take place at any time, but I totally feel like this takes place in, like, the 60s. That's fair. It kind of has also that. Also fair, yeah batman animated series where you can't really tell what it is but it doesn't look because i mean do they have cell phones i don't think so nah okay everybody's using landlines good old landlines i don't yeah they never say a year of course but it it does have that feeling like it's you know like he said 60s 70s yeah it's kind of a timelessness yeah which i like because you you know you have enough technology to have helicopters but you also have enough technology to not you know have cell phones that you can only communicate via landline, but you can take pictures and print them out of people. <laughs> like it's, it's a weird blending of like technologies that gives us this weird timeless feeling that you could be watching Gotham city tomorrow and you don't know it. Very good way to put it. I think that's part of the charm of this movie is that, you know, and it also the fact that it doesn't really like it is a Batman movie, but it's also very much a Jim Gordon. movie, And I think that's what made me, love this movie even more so because I don't think Batman even shows up till maybe halfway through the movie or so. I mean, Bruce Wayne's there, but he's not, it shows you Bruce Wayne trying to be Batman where he just puts on an outfit, gives himself a fake scar and goes to go punch a pimp in the face and then gets into a huge fight. You know, (laughs) like you do. He also assaults a child. Yes. I mean, he's, he he just, he he was kind of a villain there. Now, to be fair, that whole scene completely reminds me of like, is it, what is it that picture where there's like a guy trying to work Black Friday and he gets stabbed in the leg by a child? And like the picture is like, give up all faith in humanity and pepper spray a child in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to agree with you. 
But it, it was just, I mean, it does a good job. And I'm also glad that it didn't go down the, the route of just having, you know, tons of different villains like it, it could have. I mean, one thing that it does that, that I think is very nice is that it really is focused on one mobster. I mean, plus you have Loeb, who's always, you know, it's always shown how corrupt he is. But it, it does a good job of focusing on on the Roman Falcone, which I like. I At one time, I, I didn't like when you went when Batman just did the mob thing. Like, I wanted more. I wanted, you know, the big villains I wanted. But now that I've gotten older, I'm like, hey, I'm completely fine with a Batman movie just dealing with the mob. Like. 100% okay with that. And that's what this movie does such a good job of. What was that, Mike? The Joker sucks and you want to see a more realistic Batman? <laughs> I like the Joker, but we have covered multiple Batman movies in this on this show and Batman products and Jokers. And I mean, yes, we do handpick what we, what we cover, but still, Jokers in a lot of things. Way too much. And this is refreshing. So refreshing. <laughs> I mean, and the Batman. villains are, are so good because... They all have motives like Falcone, you know, is running the mob like that's what he does. And this has a very much I mean, I know it's Batman Begins vibes for me, too, which, again, I know because Batman Begins is a prequel story. But it really does hit that bubble. And it makes me again, I, I love Batman Begins. Well, I mean, Batman Begins was, you know, inspired a lot by year yes. one. At one point, there was going to be a live action year one directed by Darren Aronofsky, which I will forever mourn. That we never got. <laughs> that would have been cool. Oh, God, that would have been so cool. Hey, I think the Batman holds up really well. I haven't seen it yet. Mike, Don't get me started on the Batman because I want to talk about it so bad. <laughs> Mike, it is it is it is free on HBO. If you have no, HBO, I do. I just haven't watched it. What are you waiting, waiting for? <laughs> I don't know. To be honest with you, I just haven't got around to it yet. Oh, my God. Watch it. Cover it. We'll we'll do it. OK. We'll talk later. I'll record after something after tomorrow, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but when Batman here won, uh, you were also introduced early on to this, or very, very early on to this character, Flash, which is like this this Green Beret cop who's a fucking dick. He's, he's corrupt as hell. He's the one that's working with Gordon right off the bat. And they do a good job of making you just hate his guts right away. And I like that. Where you have some monk trying to sell, you know, a book or something to gordon on the train station he's like fuck you and pretty much throws him somewhere like like you know you see another scene where they're driving and he just stops and starts beating the crap out of some people at the street like he's just so corrupt and i think he's such a great character he's so full of himself and then when you finally see him get taken down by gordon later i i love that i that to me even though that guy should have been in a lot worse shape like the whole thing where because at one point gordon took to kind of you know, not follow what the police are doing and doesn't want to be corrupt like they are. And so they get a little pissed at him and Flash is goes under a bunch of his cronies and like he and Gordon's holding his own. He's like, it's been a while since I've done this because Gordon's a soldier. And then he gets hit in the back of the head by a baseball bat and he just beat the shit out of him with bats to teach him a lesson. And everything with that is just so good. It was a really good scene. Once again, proving Mike Tyson's statement. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. I really like the back and forth because you also see a lot of like Gordon's inner thoughts. It kind of I, I do like how his movie goes back and forth between him and, and uh, Bruce. And I think it's funny that like like the first scene of Gordon getting in a cop car is just like, oh, yeah, we're all corrupt. Just 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 take from the money pile and just just don't worry <laughs> about it. Just just do what we all do. And then you have like another scene later on of like Flash just being like, yo, he's not pulling from the money pile and I'm worried that, like, he's not going to be easily corruptible. And it's it's a funny conversation to see a cop have with his boss of, this guy's uncorruptible. What, 
What do we get to? And that's why they beat the shit out of him, all because he. But he's such an asshole, and I loved it. Like I, 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 you know. And then when Gordon, you know, what Gordon does, like after he's all beat up, you know, you see him the black eye and everything, and he goes and he follows him to where he's at, and then he just runs him off the road, and and he's like, you know what? I need to give him a handicap. And I thought he's gonna shoot him in the leg or something when he says that. He throws him the bat to give the guy a bat, and then he beats the shit out of him without, you know, just hand to hand combat. I'm just like, ooh, this is good. It was very <laughs> satisfying. I, I 100% see that as like a kind of a thing of if I give him the bat, he'll get cockier and I know I'll be able to beat him. Plus, oh. it, it also proves that Gordon can totally handle it because he was doing fine in the in the beginning of the, you know, the, the group fight because he holds his own a little bit. But of course, you know, he gets jumped. But that one on one fight is completely amazing. <laughs> I mean, and he makes comments about it throughout the movie where he's like, you know, I fought Green Berets before. Like, I know what to look for. And that's also what I think really improved it too. like the fact that you get so much Gordon and you get so much in depth to who Gordon is and how he I mean, they never talk about what war he fought and they never talk about what he did. They just say he was a soldier. You know, he fought in a war. He killed people like they make comments like that, but they never give you more details about what's going on. And I think that also is a good way of holding its own. It's just a he's just a really good character. And like with Flash, I love seeing Flash get his ass beat, and I I thought it was you know amusing how he handcuffs him and leaves him naked in the snow, right um, next to his car. And I want to be like, you know, I don't think that guy's gonna be okay in the morning. My my favorite part is is he goes like, and then he'll tell people he got jumped by ten guys because that's just the kind of guy he is. He won't call this in. He won't do this. And of course, he doesn't. He doesn't rat on him because I mean, he would feel foolish that he got beat up by one guy. But also, if you were if you were face down in the snow and just left there, I naked. feel like you would not be OK. He's, he's also naked. You definitely wouldn't be OK. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would be frostbitten pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, there's like a nice little world where Flask got frostbite on his dick and they had to amputate it. And that's just <laughs> it's a fun place to be. <laughs> uh, that's so bad. <laughs> but I mean. Something, I mean, you lay face down in the snow and you're just left there and he's knocked out. You're not going to be okay. Nope. And Gordon doesn't care. No, I mean, you beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best thing. Like, Gordon is, like, beyond caring at this point. He gives absolutely zero fucks. And, like, another thing this movie does very well is it, it keeps showing you different scenes where the date keeps changing, which reminded me of Long Halloween, <laughs> to kind of show you that it, progressing like what month it is and what's all going on and i thought that was really good too how it keeps jumping back and forth like okay this you always know where you're at i really did think that was interesting but i think the film also suffers for it a little bit and i'll explain there's a lot in this movie it doesn't explain anything really it is a tight 64 minutes this is an hour and four minutes long that is about, you know, a little bit more than a third of how long the Batman is. And yet this story manages to tell a more complete story than a movie more than twice as long as it. But this relies on you knowing more about Batman than Batman Begins does. Batman Begins walks you through it. It holds your hand guiding you through the voyage from Bruce Wayne to Batman. This movie does not, which is kind of refreshing, honestly. 
especially for us people who come with you know huge batman fans at this point i feel mm. i think it's safe to say i mean like you obviously there's a movie you can pick up no matter what if you've seen batman or not or have a much knowledge it's like just like with the red hood you'll get enough information to enjoy it without needing to know more but because it does only take place in like snippets of days over the course of the titular year one it does feel a bit disjointed at times I, I mean, I see where you're coming from. I do disagree because I didn't, I didn't feel that. Other than my notes, I had to keep writing down what dates it was. But <laughs> I mean, I, I like the note, the day feature. I like the fact that it's showing you that when Batman becomes Batman and what Gordon's doing and how long of these dates are in between when he had this incident with this corruption and this incident before this corruption. Like I liked all that though a lot. But yeah, that could just be it, me though. No, it, it absolutely works. You know, it's. I know what I said sounded like a criticism. I really <laughs> didn't mean it like that. Just the way they chose to t- tell the story was like it it works for the film because it does it doesn't hold your hand through everything. It doesn't answer every question you have. All you know is that things escalate. And that's the important thing in this story. Things just continue to escalate. Thank you. And I like how you go from having one villain to another, kind of, but they're all like, as first you have Flash being the villain for Gordon, and later on you have Brandon kind of becoming the villain for Gordon in a sense, and then more Loeb becomes that, while Batman doing his own thing off on the side where he's trying to take down this mo- the, the mob and doing different little events. Like, the first time he gets in the Batman suit, you have a little scene where he goes onto a fire escape, and pretty much he screws up because he almost kills a guy, tries to save him, and gets his ass beat trying not to let the guy die. <laughs> I thought that was Which really good really, to see Batman sloppy. That was really messed up, by the way. You know, your friend fell over the side. This Batman has him by his foot. So what are you going to do? You worried about your friend? Hell no. Kick the Batman. You're going to hit him with a TV, it looked like, or something. <laughs> That's your solution. Uh, I agree. It was kind of like, wouldn't you want to like not let your friend die, you know? But they did not care, apparently. <laughs> so. It's some yeah. I mean, but it's a good scene to kind of really I realize I do like sloppy Batman like Arkham Origins, you know, does it. I, I'm assuming the Batman does it, too, but I haven't seen the Batman, so I can't speak to that. The the Batman, the Telltale game is it really well, too. Yes, they do. That's a good game. It's a great game. But, you know, that's not something you see all the time. I mean, maybe I don't watch enough Batman products, but, you know, I really like seeing that. Can can I talk about my least favorite part of this movie? Because it's like my least favorite part of this movie. <laughs> Sure, of course. So we talk about dates. So I decided to look to look at your notes. My great notes, by the way. I don't understand the whole plight of like Jim cheating on his wife. Like it's really thrown out of nowhere because you could you could probably have like one scene of like maybe Gordon having one fight with his wife or even like maybe an inner monologue of like which is awful in general, which is like, I just don't find my wife as attractive because she's pregnant. But like, there's a scene of her giving him a back massage and everything's fine. And they talk. And like, the only thing really keep him up is night is like, man, this city's so corrupt. And then, so I looked at the timeline. It's two months of him being with a female car- partner that he cheats on his wife. You know, it could be for two reasons to kind of show one. It could be to show that he's not a perfect character. I mean, that mm-hmm. could be what they're going for in the sense of it. Or it could be more of just how stressed he is with life, I guess. So he starts sleeping with someone else that he worked with. Because they share that bond that he can't share with his wife because he can't bring home the work. Yeah. 
I get that, but it, it's just a really weird, like, oh, well, you know, we, we have to have dirt on Gordon. We have to have the story beat of, like, us having to have dirt on him. But you probably could have gone with maybe anything else. <laughs> like, maybe he didn't shoot, you know, shot the penguin and threw him off a dock like that. Is that? Uh. <laughs> I guess they just needed to have dirt on Gordon to make those other scenes work. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it because, like, to me, I think I... It just it fit to me that here he is with someone who is in the same line of work he is. I mean, I didn't see it as a riff on like her being pregnant, so he's less attracted to her. But that does make sense, and it happens to people. So like, I can I didn't think of that way, but that is very realistic. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna say that I can see it both ways. Okay. Because on the beginning, of the train ride in uh, Gordon's talking about how he feels horrible about the idea of bringing a life into the world while living in Gotham. So it could be a sense of guilt that's pushing him away from his pregnant wife. It could also be, you know, Mike, what you said, you know, you spend enough time with somebody and he's clearly having to burn the midnight oil to catch this Batman person. Cause Loeb <laughs> is breathing down his back. He won't get him off the night shift. And, and it could does... have been that I, I think it was to give a parallel to Batman, because if you have Jim just being like the one honest cop in the history of the world, <laughs> then like he's too good. And but you throw this at him, you see that, yeah, Jim Gordon is not perfect. And by this point, we already know that Bruce Wayne slash Batman is not perfect. So what you have here is two imperfect men on two different sides of the law working together to accomplish a similar goal to try to make a better world. One wants to make a better world. So nobody's parents have to die again. One wants to make it a better world because he is a parent. Hmm. Okay. That's a good way to put it. I like that. I mean, I also kind of saw it like, cause I, I, I know this from experience. Like if you have different shifts, especially if you're stuck working night shift, I mean, it can take its toll on a person. That's like, you know, late second shift or third shift. It, it does things to relationship too. Like when me and my wife first met, I worked second shift for a while and she worked first shift. And it, you know, it's hard in a relationship. You have to make sure that you are a good person with time management. I am, as I have proven many times on the show, you know, and I, <laughs> I in there. and like, you know, we made it work. But it, I mean, I can completely see how it can damage a relationship, especially when, some, you know, the woman's pregnant. I mean, that, that, that's why I had no issue with it. I completely just bought it and saw it like, OK, this makes complete sense. Plus, it, like, like Ken said, is very much about wanting to show that, you know, he's not this perfect person in a way. He has a dark side, too. It's just nothing compared to the corrupt police that you're dealing with in this movie. Because the corrupt police are really bad in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're so bad. <laughs> I think that's what makes it, you know, a good film, too, is, like, it's nice to see these, you know, Batman going against the police, really. And how he's not trying to kill him. Well, he's not trying to kill anybody. But he's also trying, you know, not to you know, damage them too bad, but he has to because they're corrupt and it puts a different sway and it really does make Batman look like a bad guy because he's taking out the police who are always meant to be, you know, the best of the best in a, in a type of sense, which we know is not true. <laughs> but that's what, you know, it's very much trying to emulate and show you. I, I think the whole thesis statement of this movie could pretty much be it's complicated. Life is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> also, wasn't Flash in... Arkham Origins, if I remember correctly, or was it just Brandon? I could look I this up. I was just I curious. I know one of them was in that for sure. I do not remember Arkham Origins <laughs> like at okay. all. Good game. I know Flats was in Batman Begins. 
I don't remember Batman Begins. It's been a long time since I watched it. Boy, we should cover it for the podcast, Mike. You want that or you want the Batman more? <laughs> Which one? Don't don't you do that to me. That's unfair. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to start more trilogies, so I wrap up a few things first, but who knows? <laughs> that's been on my list. Well, then but the Batman just... first, because that's a single one. Yes, for now. <laughs> they they confirmed the second one. It's been confirmed, finally. after like, But it's like, not out yet, so it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> well, spe- speaking of complete, comparing this to other Batman movies, I, I, use, I think I've brought up a couple times, this has a really decent timeline for Batman, and I think it's kind of funny and interesting that I think this and... Fuck, I was just thinking about it. What's the other Batman movie that's from Batman animated series? Mask of the Phantasm. Mask of the Phantasm, where Bruce doesn't technically know League of Shadows. He just practiced a whole bunch of self-defense. In fact, I think there's a same scene of like both in both these movies. It's Bruce just breaking a bunch of bricks in his his backyard. (laughs) Yup. But that's also a really good scene. Like when you see him training, he breaks a tree. And he's like, I need to do something with my anger and I need to find a way to be, you know, productive with it. Well, that's because, like, the League of Shadows was a relatively late addition when it came to the Batman mythology. Yeah, it's in the comics, but not until later. Okay, I mean, I know League of Shadows, but I wasn't sure if he was trained by League of Shadows in the comics or that was a Batman Begins thing that they added. Yeah, that was, like, way back, I think, they added that, but, like, further back... Like Batman Year One, the original comic book was an adaptation of the original origin that Bill Finger and Bob Kane did. Okay. So you still have, you know, Batman's parents dying, but it's all Frank Miller's fault because in his comic book, he never he never showed it happening. He only showed flashbacks to it. So it's fucking Frank Miller's fault that every goddamn Batman movie has to have a fucking flashback of his parents dying, a pearl necklace falling to the ground in slow motion. They do love that pearl necklace. They do love that pearl necklace. Who doesn't love a good pearl necklace? (laughs) I mean, it's just like everything with Batman. Like I, when I was watching, like, oh, they're they're waiting for the pearl necklace. Oh, there goes the pearl necklace. I'm like, you just know what that's going to happen with with his wife (laughs) her mother. Yeah. Yep, so it's all Frank Miller's fault, everybody. Write him something. Be angry at him. And you blocked on Twitter by him, because I think he blocked people. Don't be hard. (laughs) Uh, One of the other things that I want to mention about this, too, is that you also get your first introduction to Catwoman. And she's really the only other character that you have here, and the only one of Batman's rogue gallery, which I like. I like it that we don't get flooded. As I said earlier, we don't get flooded with characters. We just get Selina Kyle. And we get Selina Kyle... When she's just working for a pimp with the other girl who really looked like she was under 18. Oh, dominatrix, Selena Kyle. Mm, mm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that was like a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah, that bothered me a little bit. It's supposed to bother bother you. Yeah, it's it's not supposed to be friendly. It's fucking (laughs) Gotham City. (laughs) Yeah, nothing friendly in Gotham City. Terrible place. Even fucking around McDonald to try to kill you. I mean, they do a good job of really showing you how bad the city is, though. And and I and like when he first meets Selena Kyle, he gets into a fight with her and she kind of kicks his ass pretty good. I mean, they, it's kind of a draw, but it's cool to see. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Catwoman and it was nice seeing Catwoman before she becomes Catwoman. And I did appreciate Dominatrix Selena Kyle. I didn't have a problem with that at all. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. look, I want to talk about this scene real quick. Sure. If we can. 
So this is the scene that we were talking about earlier where Bruce Wayne assaults a child <laughs> and uh, beats the hell out of her pimp, which is, you know, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Do that if you have a chance. But it's funny because Batman's just like Bruce Wayne. He's not Batman. He's just got like a scar, changed his complexion. He's wearing like a just a regular outfit. And the crowd turns on him. And I feel like this is the point where he realizes I cannot save the city as Bruce Wayne. I have to become something more because this is like he tried. He tried to help a child get out of <laughs> prostitution and the entire crowd turned on him, including the child. I mean, part of it, the way that I took it was very much of, I mean, one, he's in the red light district and all, you know, and he's go come in here just starting a fight. Like, so people are like, what the hell are you doing here? But yeah, when you when you add the child part, it makes it all everything a lot worse. <laughs> As it should. Yes, it, I think it's just very much the idea of the show, you know, really show you how bad Gotham is, that they don't give a shit. I mean, also, how many cities really have a district like that that advertise, you know, prostitution? Three? Them Not enough. <laughs> I can only think of one that does it, but I haven't been that many places. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of America, though, so that's why. Uh, Vegas, oh. there's some places in Canada. Vegas, for I think, sure. I think Japan does, too. I mean, everybody Hey, should. y'all know about Hurley, Wisconsin? No. No. Hurley, Wisconsin is a small little town in northern Wisconsin, and there are six individual strip clubs along the main street in town. This town is so small, but it is like the stripper mecca in Wisconsin. It's absolutely fascinating. And the reason for that is because it was a prohibition hideout for Al Capone and prohibition was never actually enacted up there. So even though that was way back then, some things still currently (laughs) Hurley is like a Mecca for strip clubs and strippers. Hmm. Okay. So there's a nice little bit of local history for y'all. You're welcome. Okay. I'm from Wisconsin too. I've never heard this before. It's so weird. Wisconsin's a weird place. (laughs) So weird. It's a very good place. I'm from Milwaukee. So, so uh, we're talking about Catwoman. I think what, like yes, my <laughs> favorite, my favorite gag in this movie is every time Catwoman tries to one up Batman, he either gets blamed for it. And then there's like another scene where she's like, it's like Batman, his sidekick Catwoman. And she's like, oh, now I'm a sidekick. Oh, and it's just <laughs> like, it's really funny that they keep doing that. They do a good job with it. I was, I also found it amusing how like it, you know when she buys the costume she spends all the money they had and the, and the woman makes comment like you spent all our money <laughs> well you, like she says you got to spend money to make money which is true it's very true yeah look all i'm saying is if anne hathaway walked into my house wearing a maid outfit <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it was a it, it's really cool to see her in this and it's cool to see the early catwoman costume I wasn't a fan of the the. I didn't like the short hair on Cat on Selena Kyle. It kind of I don't know. It wasn't like I think it was just me. But I mean, the, she does look very powerful. And I didn't realize till after this was over that it was Liza Dushku was the voice. Is that? Oh, she played Faith and Buffy. Oh, okay. Yep. Great. She was also in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, she was in the first Wrong Turn movie. Uh, she was <laughs> on Fox's ill-fated Joss Whedon show Dollhouse. That's a decent show. I've never heard it of it. It was that. a good show, 
but mm-hmm. Joss Whedon is a bastard man. So yes, he is. Um, yeah, he is. Elijah Dushku <laughs> in a dominatrix outfit and everything for like a scene in Dollhouse. That's this is a good time to talk about the rest of the voice cast in this movie because <laughs> holy yes. shit. You got Jim Gordon played by Brian Cranston. Like fucking Walter White is playing goddamn Jim Gordon. Wait. Amazing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He does a good job. Yeah, he does a good does job. A- That's Malcolm and Middle Dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I never watched Malcolm in the Middle, but man, that guy is plays he can play some parts. Like you wouldn't Very think, you know, the guy from a sitcom playing a father would be as good as an actor as he is. Uh, you also got John Polito as uh, Commissioner Loeb. I don't know if there are any It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fans out there, but John Polito fra- played uh, Frank Reynolds' scumbag brother. Uh, he was also in The Crow. He was the pawn shop <laughs> owner in The Crow. Never seen uh, it. He's He's got a long history of just being a piece of shit. And <laughs> like as characters, as characters, I'm sure he's a very nice man. But <laughs> he really does outdoes himself here. You got Steven Root as Lieutenant Brandon. Fucking Milton from Office Space. <laughs> I don't I, I haven't seen Office Space in so long. I can't remember who that is. He's done so many other movies. There's also a movie recently called uh, Happily, directed by uh, Ben David Grabinski. Very good movie. Steven Root is amazing in it. I recommend it. Okay. And uh, we have I, I was just gonna mention Sarah Essen, the detective that uh, Gordon ends up uh, having a dalliance with. That is played by uh, Katie Sackhoff, everybody's favorite Starbuck from the Battlestar Galactica reboot. And in Mandalorian. Oh, I I only watched first season of Mandalorian. She's in the second, I think. I can't remember. Go watch Mandalorian. It's a good show. I still have not watched the goddamn Mandalorian. I think she's in both seasons, if I remember correctly. All of a sudden, my brain is not. Yeah, she's in both seasons. Pretty sure. Maybe. I don't remember anymore. Maybe she's only in season two. It's been a while. Point being really good. Stacked cast. Stacked voice cast. <laughs> and they all do a great job, too. And, of course, the previously mentioned Ben McKenzie is Bruce Wayne Batman. Weirdly enough, the pimp is voiced by Steve Blum, Spike Spiegel. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, um, so I talk- famous oh. people. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I want to talk about Brandon. Brandon, I think he was in Arkham Origins, but again, I can't remember because I did not look this up before we started recording. But I, I like the SWAT guy in this. I like how, as you know, because he kind of comes later when Gordon is starting to kind of take his own. Lord, I think Gordon is lieutenant now. You know, he kind of has some, he's in charge somewhat. And you have Brendan, who's this SWAT team. Like when he, and they kind of say where when he goes in, there are no survivors. He kills everybody, including the people they're going in to rescue sometimes. He don't care. And you really you really see that in here because you see him off and on. You see how Gordon is trying to control him. And at one point, because Batman ends up almost pretty much sacrificing himself and gets caught by trying to rescue a old woman from or a homeless woman, it looks like from getting hit by a truck that Gordon jumps on the side of and tries to stop. And the guy fell asleep, I guess, is what it was supposed to be. Yeah, but, I took it as like a heart attack or something. No, okay. maybe a zombie bite. You know, he's going to crash into a gas station. <laughs> hey, calm down. It's a long world. <laughs> I love that reference. <laughs> um, but it was just like, you know, and this is where, and then this is kind of what really sets Batman apart. And it also reminded me a lot of the Dark Knight, too, where then because of this, Batman is exposing himself and he ends up having to like kind of knock out Sarah Essen, but he gets shot by the cop 
as he's running away because he's still not very good Batman. But you really get to see Brandon's character like before they even go in the building that they don't even know if it's empty or not. They blow up the fucking place. They drop fire bombs on it. They don't even care who's in it. Who in the goddamn hell do you have to go to? I don't even, can a fucking police commissioner approve of dropping a fucking firebomb on a building? I don't think so. Not in <laughs> no, the real no. world normally. No. But <laughs> yes. this is, it's Gotham, baby. <laughs> I mean, they literally they just drop bombs. To, I mean, like, and you see pretty shortly that the place wasn't empty. You see even before the firebomb that there were people in here, but they didn't care because they were drunk winos. But who cares is what they put. And again, that's a very, you know, it's unfortunately not a very uncommon look at that people have for people that are homeless and stuff. And I and I and Gotham is no different because it's a shitty ass city. Did a good job of showing that. And it's just like everything with him, like how the, how the whole SWAT team comes in and like you see Batman really hold his own and take out the SWAT kind of one by one and, you know, just start kind of tricking them. And, you know, he tricks him into a trap and he takes them out and he's always trying to really show that fear, which I thought was good. You don't get he, Detective Batman in this, but you do get to see Batman learning how to use fear. He also, like, royally fucks up. He, like, gets his utility belt caught on fire and, like, sets off, like, half his gadgets. Which is fucking hilarious. I mean, it, it's one of the things where, like, you could, you could put on the costume, you could get the gadgets, but, like, he, he, you don't beta test these things half the fucking time. Like, he even says it later on with, like, the... Which I'm pretty sure is, like, now in every Batman movie, or at least Batman movie trilogy of the uh the sonar that calls back i don't even want to get into that i really don't because i have my doubts if that would even work i'm pretty sure it wouldn't work <laughs> i think it would work not from that far away yeah i believe it wouldn't be worth that from away but um you know what though it's better than morbius so <laughs> <laughs> i have not seen sony pictures new comic hit morbius yet so please no spoilers <laughs> no one's seen Sony's comic hit Morbius. I so. wish that was true. Yeah, I've seen it, but not a comic hit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did you did you guys see he's already accepted the award, his Academy Award for Morbius? That was a joke, right? <sighs> yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> okay. it's a joke. I was gonna say, uh, like, he didn't actually go out there and be that stupid, was he? Like I mean it is it is Jared Leto, but yes. uh, anyways, rewinding because it's because of uh, a little bit of Batman stuff. There's a trend on TikTok, which is uh, how petty is Bruce Wayne Batman. And uh, this one was I saw him recently, and it's completely hilarious, which is Batman. Bruce Wayne is that fucking petty, which is my favorite scene in this movie of him tranking like all a whole bunch of dudes like parked in their limos. And he's slowly setting up his like stage to scare the shit out of all these rich billionaire assholes. And thankfully, there was a fire pit or like a tray full of fire that like was able to set the mood because that is just like the whole (laughs) the best scene of him going. You better enjoy this dinner because it'll be your last. And then he just disappears. (laughs) Yeah, but it it fits. And you'll wonder where the Red Hood gets it from. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't wonder where he gets it from because that's totally him. I also didn't realize that it was like all the criminal elite that were there. Like I knew it was Falcone. You have low, but apparently you have everyone supposed to be criminal elite. That's there in this, in this dining room. So it really shows you how, but you know, Loeb is sitting here dealing with all these people who are well-known criminals. Cause Loeb's a criminal himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to give a shout out to one voice. We forgot uh, <laughs> the obstetrician who is talking to 
Barbara Gordon when she's about to have the baby. Voiced by Andrea Romano, longtime voice supervisor on the Batman the Animated Series. Also last heard on our end as the voice of young Tim Drake from Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Okay. Oh, Ken, you're going to kill me for this. So Batman is Bruce Wayne is what, 25 in this movie? Yes. Ish. And Barbara hasn't been born yet. So in, in the world, Barbara would have to be 20 <laughs> years out and make Bruce Wayne 45 when he sleeps with her and killing joke, right? right. <laughs> Ken, I don't hear Look, I say this from the bottom of my heart. Get fucked. That doesn't happen. It's not canon. They ruined the killing joke. I oh, hate it. Will. If you cut oh, that God. off, that movie's fine. That movie's good. <laughs> That's oh, what I really man. thought of this time. I'm like, wait a second. Barbara should already be born for this to be okay. Because, it, I mean, again, it's not that weird, I think, for a 20-year-old girl to sleep with a 40-year-old man. I mean, it's not right, but it's not that weird. So, you know, the way life is. But, yeah, I was, yeah. Like, I was like, that really bothered me this time. I'm like, wait, that's not Barbara that's born? Oh, God. Like, he's way too old for her when she's born. You know? First off, <sighs> mad, mad props, Mike, because that, that has to be the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then uh, two, it has to be true, Kenny. That's the whole reason why uh, Dick doesn't like Bruce and Batman, Batman Beyond, because he got Barbara pregnant. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> we just yeah. lost. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Look. It just bothered me. I'm like, this is not. I'm like, where? What? what? She should. No, no, she's too young. Look, I said it in the review of The Killing Joke. I'll say it again. Current writers treating Barbara Gordon like the Bat Family Fleshlight. Fucking (laughs) disgusting. I absolutely hate it. It's a bad fucking look. And you know what? Why the fuck not? It's all Frank Miller's fault. How is this Frank Miller's fault? Yeah. I don't know. That's very much a him thing to do, though. I've read Sin City. That's fair. (laughs) I did. I didn't read it. I watched the movie. Unfortunately, but that was enough. We reviewed it too on the show. If you want to hear about it, <laughs> I don't want to hear it, but it's there. If you want to hear it, so <laughs> I'm trying to think some other things. Oh, and I, like when the whole scene, like when Batman is in is in the in the burning building and everything, and he gets out. Like it's very good to see him. Like it talks about how he just beat the shit out of Brandon and stuff. And you know, it, it, it's his way of like really clearing the field too. Because it also there's also a scene earlier where he beats the crap out of Flash and Flash like, oh, I was trying to stop this drug bus <laughs> when really he was just, you know, he was part of the drug, you know, dealing and Batman came in and kicked his ass too. But it also showed you like how much of a joke flash was. And, and I liked seeing that where it really was showing how Gordon was progressing through the, you know, through the police force and really taking charge besides not being the commissioner yet. And people were respecting him and the people that were all so corrupt were really losing their power and their influence. I thought that was really good. But of yeah. course, when this happens, of course, there's going to be collateral damage. My favorite part of that scene is like when they're talk when uh, Flash is talking about about how like which is it's always cool to see people talk about. And there's a whole movie about that that I hope we get to watch on here too. There's drawings of what they think Batman looks like, and one's just Man Bat. Yes. The, the second one's just Zorro, <laughs> and then the third one's actually Batman. <laughs> Are you talking about that Justice League Gods and Monster movie? No, have y'all ever seen? They they did a lot back then. Have y'all ever seen like the Dante's Inferno movie that's based off the game, and like every every level, every level they do like a different animator. Oh yes, okay, I have not. Okay, that it's also 
different, but there's a Batman movie where it's three kids talking about three different sightings of Batman. Are you talking about Gotham? Oh, Night? yeah, I think so. I, yes, I owned it. I got rid of it. I never watched it all the way through. It's great. Yeah. yeah, these these kids like one says he's a robot. Another one thinks he's man bat. I think one kid's like almost accurate, except Batman like literally bleeds in the shadows. But all the kids stories are drawn differently. and It's super cool. Okay. It is very cool. Yeah, I'd be up for it. It's also part of the Nolan verse, I guess. Too. Yeah, doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't what's his face voice versus win in Batman? Christian Bale. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. It's been a while. I never watched. It. I got it for free with something that I bought and was really excited. Then I started to watch it. Didn't like the animation and never picked it up again. So but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know about it. Unfortunate. <laughs> hey, I'm fixing them. I'm watching more animated Batman movies, which is good. Now I've got to watch some I haven't seen before yet, and I haven't done that yet. I keep watching the ones I've already seen that I know I like to put on the show. So, with Jim Gordon's inevitable pushing back against the system, there are going to be repercussions, and this is where the kidnapping happens. Well, there's a few repercussions. Before the kidnapping, you had the repercussion of where they're calling Gordon and telling her, or telling Barbara that he cheated, and she's like, yes, I know, he told me. You have that, but you're right. Then the kidnapping happens later, which is the end of the movie. Yep. So Jim Gordon is now a father. Barbara had a son, uh, James Gordon Jr., who we all know grows up to be an immaculate piece of shit. Really? Yeah. I don't know anything about him. Me the same. Oh, James Gordon Jr. is a fucking nut. He's a criminal (laughs) of the worst kind. Okay. (laughs) In some some of the DC worlds. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, like, sometimes doesn't he not have a brother? Yeah. Like, it's all over the place. Hell, in one story we read, I don't remember what it was. She was adopted, I thought, Barbara was. Yeah. I don't remember what yeah, story she that was. Yeah, she was. That was... Ah, uh, shit. In the back of one of the comics that we recently did. Might have been War Jokes and Riddles. Oh, yep. Yeah, it probably was that. That's our most recent one. The Batman we recorded. Okay, sorry, keep going, what you were saying, before I interrupted you. Anyway, Carmine Falcone gets a little upset, and he starts talking to his nephew, good old Johnny Vitti. Is this the same uh, Johnny that you like? Yeah, it's the no, it's Johnny Vitti from The Long Halloween. Yes. Yeah, I don't care much for okay. Johnny Vitti. Johnny Vitti's a piece of <laughs> shit because he's a mobster, and he's just a bastard man. But... I know you love Long Halloween, so... I do love Long Halloween, but Johnny Vitti, you know, is going to do a thing. And Falcone says, no, 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 we got to we got to play it carefully. We got to play it carefully. And this is when Catwoman decides to rob him, which is problematic. But Catwoman robs him. Batman gets all the credit for it. This is where the news speculates that uh, she's uh, Batman's assistant. Which pisses her off. (laughs) As Fucking well, it should. Now, I was gonna. It's a, it's a question towards you, Kenny. So, with uh, with this rolling out, and we're talking about the long Halloween, how'd you feel about uh, uh Harvey Dent in this? Is like what two minute scene? That was cool. I like. Ah, uh, Harvey Dent in his two minute scene was fine. <laughs> it was absolutely fine. I liked it. I liked the fact that he was working with Batman, and you know, he was a little, you know, not following the law. It fit. You know, what do you want justice? Uh, I think I uh, forgot about it, but it was good. Yeah, I think it worked out nicely. It was a good way to bring in characters without 
making them feel like they, did, they didn't need to be there or belonged. Oh, by the way, Mike, that was actually in Haunted Night. Oh, okay. What's was the uh, Barbara Gordon story oh, where she may have been adopted. Ago. Okay. That was a while ago. I forgot about that story. <laughs> that was the Mad Hatter one. Okay. That was a good story. Where and, she gets kidnapped as Alice. Yes. <laughs> and, like, the whole thing, like, you know, near the end of this movie when Batman does, you know, and he go, and he follows Gordon. And, like, the whole reason why Gordon even turned around was because he saw some guy in a bike who ended up being, you know, Bruce Wayne, who went there as Bruce Wayne, but he's hiding his face by, you know, staying in the shadows, I guess. It, it's a very good scene to really see how he's still trying to make a difference, even though he's not who he should be. He's not, you know, in his Batman costume. This is probably one of the only times that we see Bruce Wayne do his vigilante business by daylight. Yes. And um, Bruce Bruce saves his kid. He'll regret that later, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is where Bruce should really learn the lesson of, you know, I probably should have worn the cowl underneath the helmet. That probably would have helped a little bit. Well, it doesn't matter. Jim didn't see anything. He's practically blind without his glasses. As a guy who wears glasses, I mean, all three of us wear glasses, so I think we can we can all believe that. <laughs> I see pretty all right without my glasses. Thanks. I can see, but I'm pretty blind as fuck. So I'm pretty blind. So I, anyway. I, I believe it. But it was a good scene. It also reminded me a lot of Dark Knight, too, like because it showed, you know, that's why they become friends. Like to show yeah. that scene of having them. That's their bonding where he learns to trust Batman. Uh, and also, I think this really underscores that you can't have Batman without James Gordon. Agreed. Yeah, because you need Batman to have someone on the inside that trust him enough to work with him and give him the leads that he needs at time. Man, Mike, you really need to watch the Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will. Do. I will for sure. We'll talk about it next month, maybe. So then we have my favorite scene, which is ripped off entirely by Batman Begins, which is oh, I can't wait for Batman to show up. There's some asshole poisoning the water supply named the Joker. <sighs> Boo! <laughs> I, I agree. You didn't. I mean, I get why they did this. I'm. Is this in the original comic, Batman Year One? Yeah. You know? Oh, <laughs> that's funny. So I mean, but I I agree. I was kind of like, eh, at least he wasn't in this. It's just to show you that you know more and why they're trust. But I yeah, I agree with you. It didn't. It's like eh, Joker again. <laughs> Can't we have a story a about Joker? Uh, there's a sequel to this uh, called uh, Batman: The Man Who Laughs. Uh, it's uh, Batman reflecting on the first time he actually met the Joker. It's written by uh, Ed Brubaker, famously one of the better uh, oh. Captain America and Punisher writers. Yes. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that now because I'm so tired of the <laughs> Joker. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just a very common trope, too, to have a scene like that, to have something to do where the Joker is coming. Mm hmm. I mean, I know that I know a little bit of the Batman from listening to people talk about it, that there's a scene like that in the end of it. So spoilers, but I know it's reference. So, I mean, Joker is always a thing. I get it. I'm just glad he wasn't in this movie for no reason at yep. all. Oh, uh, me too. Oh, another thing I want to talk about. There's one scene where <laughs> Batman goes to Carmine's Fal Falcone's place and ties him up, hog ties him and then destroy get rid of his car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really that like part's that. funny. He's like, kill the bastard. Boy, oh boy. That's almost exactly what Jim did to Flass, wasn't it? He didn't see hog tie him though, but yeah, more parallels. I'm telling yeah. you, also, he also, uh, this guy was left in a bed and it's a lot more comfortable than being, you know, in the snow, <laughs> you know, dick yeah, down in the snow, like, you know, a lot more comfortable. I'd rather be in the bed, you know, tied up, not in the snow. <laughs> I also, snow gets cold. That, uh, I also think that this is the reason why he got firebombed. Like 
they knew it was the Batman. It's like, so we had a sighting on the Batman. Okay, firebomb his ass. And make sure it's written on the firebomb that says, this is for my fucking car. <laughs> oh, another thing I, I want to talk about that this this movie does good, or has a scene, like later on you have a, you have a small scene also where Flash flips on Loeb, and then Loeb gets arrested and finds out that Loeb was in charge, you know, involved in so much of this, and that's why Gordon then becomes the commissioner, which I, I like that too a lot. I like giving the reason why he became in charge and showing how corrupt Loeb was and how all the police are fucking corrupt in this, which, again, reminds me a lot of Gotham. It, Fuck it, make, Gotham. it makes me wish, like, Gotham would have a scene where it's, uh, what's his face playing Commissioner Gordon, and when they make him Commissioner Gordon, they open up, like, the little, like, badge case, but it's not a badge, it's a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, off, not a, not Batman really, but I've been watching two different. I've been watching different documentary. I've been watching a documentary on John Wayne Gacy, and I've been watching a documentary on this guy named Johnny Seville in Britain. And in both cases, you had somebody where the police trusted and didn't listen to the people that were being abused. In one case, you had gay men that were being abused, and John Wayne Gacy, and the police wouldn't even listen. Like, ah, who cares? Like they would in the seventies, they had nothing to do. And this guy's murdering people, and put him under under his basement. And then in another case with Johnny Seville in Britain, you had him abusing girls and, and boys who were who were either handicapped or in like asylum type places and again or hospitals and then nobody believed him. So it reminded me a lot of like the police not investigating it reminded me a lot of this. There's your real life thing that <laughs> from the seventies. <laughs> oh yeah, look well, up Johnny Seville. Thing that doesn't happen anymore, Jeffrey Dahmer, Milwaukee. Well, that was <laughs> what well, that was the eighties, right? Late 80s, early 90s, I think. I actually met somebody when I went to prom. My friend, his date, her, his aunt, her aunt, I think, worked, was a detective at that time and worked on that case. What? It's weird. Like, everybody of a certain age in Wisconsin knows somebody Mm -hmm. that was affected by that. I, I, one of my, my Uh English teacher once told a story, but he was outside the, the high school that was right by the, he ended a swim meet, and right when they came out, all these cops were everywhere. He's like, "What the hell's going on here?" And they just went on the bus to go back home. And it turns out they were arresting Dahmer, or you know, emptying Dahmer's apartment. Oh boy! Yeah, no, it is true. So many people are affected. I mean, he he had such an impact on the city. I know it's uh, it's either John John Wayne Gacy or Jeffrey Dahmer. Someone has a true story that they actually met him, and they think that they're the reason why he adapted so well because. They they got a weird vibe off of him and they escaped his car. And one of the things that they, he did was like remove the locks and the, like the handles on the car because I think people that's kept getting away. Okay, because with yeah, John Wayne Gacy, dumb. he would invite you to into his house and it was people he knew, which is always smart. You know, kill people that know that who know who you are, so people can you know not connect the dots. And he would then handcuff them, and if they didn't get out of the handcuffs, well, then they were dead. But yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of, of police not doing their job, and it reminded me a lot of this movie. So I had to put it out there. <laughs> any, uh, huh. Any other things to say about Batman Year One that we haven't in the movie that we haven't covered yet? You want to mention any scenes? Someone wanted. I feel to like I yet. probably covered everything that I wanted to. Okay. I think we covered all the different scenes. We have Dominatrix Catwoman on our list, so we did that. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I could probably think of that I was going to bring up, but it, it lost my mind, but I remember it now. It's probably at least one of the. Maybe a little cheesy, but one of the, like the most normal ways of getting the idea to become Batman of the bat flying in and like sitting on his dad's head because oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure the worst one I've seen is the bats lifting him out of the bat cave and Batman begins. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. That was pretty <laughs> horrible. Yes. Oh, and there is. Oh, sorry. Keep going. 
Oh, I say my favorite one of all time is uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, where uh, Batman's dad dressed up as a bat for a Halloween party, and his dad's also voiced by the very lovable late Adam West. So that's the original comic adaptation, I think. Mm. Like the very original is mm. his dad. It was a costume of his dad that he found that he put on. I believe it. It's in the very like early Batman stuff, like Detective Comics, whatever the hell it is. I can't remember anymore, but yes. Oh, and last thing I want to say. I forgot about it. There's a small scene where Gordon thinks that Bruce Wayne is Batman. So him and Barbara go over to go see Bruce Wayne. And of course he hires some girl to be there and act drunk and he's drinking. And at one point he just spreads his legs and just shows off his balls to, the, to uh, <laughs> Gordon's wife. And I just started laughing. And then after they leave, like, oh, there's no way that guy's Batman. And the girl's like, you guys are weird. You pay me 5,000 to just sit here. Like what the fuck? And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> it was great. I really liked it. I liked him using his, you know, his Playboy stuff as such a cover. And you don't, you know, to see that kind of how it was starting to form because he realized he had to have a cover. So people don't suspect, like, hmm, isn't it weird that Bruce Wayne came back and Batman showed up around the same time? Isn't that strange, huh? And someone would need money to do this. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's sure this- fucking weird. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, check out my balls. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It I, I can't. I can't be Batman. I drink too much. <laughs> uh, and then just the random girl that just there for no. Uh, I'm assuming she was a hooker or something, but it was just funny. Yeah. All right. I think that. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything I wanted to say in, in the movie. Uh, that should bring us to shelf stacker box. And I'll go first. Uh, this is going to go on the shelf. I enjoyed this movie a lot. I enjoyed that this is a slower paced, less less actiony movie. I mean, I enjoy my action movie, but it. It's much more, it's not even detective film, because there's not much, it's just very much of a movie that just, a drama that kind of just pulls you in and keeps you going, and it's something that almost anyone could pick up and watch without having to have knowledge of Batman, and I think it's very enjoyable, and I, I'm glad to finally rewatch it, because it's been years. So, going on the shelf, and I'm really glad we watched it. Oh, what about you, Joe? Uh, I'd probably go with the shelf. This is the pretty decent if you want to show someone, like, a pretty good Batman origin story. You know, especially if it's like, we know a little bit about Batman, nothing at all. You know, it's pretty, you know, decent story. Okay. And what about you, Ken? Before I watch this again one more time today, it would have been a stack. But <laughs> once it clicked for me, not shelf. Okay. <laughs> Got to have it on the shelf. This is Batman Mask of the Phantasm might is my favorite animated Batman movie. Bar none, hands down, easily. This might be the best animated Batman <laughs> movie. Okay. Not Son of Batman? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> I remember that movie being good, but I haven't seen it in years, but I do really want to watch it again. I liked Can't Batman. be good. Damian Wayne's in it. <laughs> He's also in Batman vs. Robin, too. Yep, can't be good. Damian Wayne's in it. He's punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you want to hear more Batman, we have covered lots of Batman on this show. I'm going to start reading all those now. Uh, Batman Arkham Origin DLC, Cold Cold Heart, Mini 19, Batman Under the Red Hood, Film 28, Batman War of Jokes and Riddles, Comic 35, Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate, Episode 159, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, Film 23, Batman Court of Owls, Comic 33, Batman Haunted Night, which we referenced earlier, Comic 32, Batman Arkham Origins, one thir- Episode 139, great fucking game. Batman Master Phantasm, Film 18, Batman Arkham City DLC, Harley Quinn's Revenge, Mini 13, Batman Arkham City, Episode 118, Batman Arkham City Comic 24, Batman The Killing Joke, Comic 22, Batman Arkham Asylum, Episode 97, 
Batman The Long Halloween, Comic 17, Batman Death of the Family, Comic 8, Batman Hush, Comic 3, and Batman Episode 3, we covered the Genesis game. So that's all our Batman so far. And more is coming now. You know, one day it's going to be me reading three different Batman names for no reason. But one day. <laughs> <laughs> so if you enjoyed those, if you enjoyed this, go check out all Batman. We do movies, we do comics, we do games, we do all sorts of episodes. Go check out our huge catalog. If you can't find it all on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you can find everything on Podbean. You will find the whole catalog there. And there's something, there's definitely something for everybody. Because we record tons of shit. So definitely go check that out. I want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasper. You can follow her on TikTok. She makes videos and makes her music. I want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did the MCU Infinity Saga with me. He started his own podcast, Gamer Looks at 40. Definitely check him out. And please follow us on Facebook, t- Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Only audio, but we are on YouTube. And if, we, if you want to help out the show, we do have a Patreon. You can vote every month in our Patreon poll, and we have different things, usually movies. So definitely go help us out. Helps out the show, and you get to make you get to affect what's on the show. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. So long. See you later.